Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Six summers ago, protests against police brutality and racism brought the eyes of the nation to Ferguson. Now the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis has set off another round of protests around the world, including, yes, in Ferguson and in St. Louis. Say, ah! And that was State Representative Rasheen Aldridge leading those chants on Saturday. He was active in the 2014 protests that followed the death of Michael Brown, and he has continued to lead protests in the years since. He was out there again yesterday at a protest that drew hundreds to downtown St. Louis. Now later, hours after the protest disbanded, the night turned ugly. Among many acts of looting and vandalism, four St. Louis police officers were shot. Activists have condemned the violence. And today, Representative Aldridge joins us. Uh, Representative Aldridge, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. And my second guest today also has an important perspective on these issues. Fran Griffin began protesting in Ferguson the day after Michael Brown's death. She also began attending Ferguson City Council meetings. And last year, she ousted an incumbent to join the, the council herself. So, Councilwoman Griffin, welcome. And thank you for having me. Now, Representative Aldridge, I want to start with you. We invited you here a, f a few days ago to discuss the movement that began in Ferguson and where things stand today. So many things have happened since we agreed to talk today. And I just have to wonder, how are you feeling right now? Oh, man. Um, I, I'm sure my emotions are just as similar uh, to Councilwoman Fran. I'm sure my emotions are similar to uh, activists and leaders Lachelle and O'Shea and Reverend Gray. Um, I fell asleep around 6 o'clock today mm. um, just due to the fact of my emotions being all over the place of what was happening last night as um, far as what we seen last night and what, what I'm going to eventually go assess um, uh, in the neighborhood and see the damage that's taking place. So I'm, you know, I'm in a much better place than I was last night. Uh, I think I was upset. I was hurt. Um, and even to some extent felt some personal guilt, even though um, I know I nor Fran nor none of the activists that have been working um, for a very long time to create change, like you say, uh, me and Fran both involved and now in elected office and want to see more change in our communities if it's St. Louis City or County. Um, but it's, it, it's it's calming down. I'm getting back a little bit to the normal me, but it is, I'm a little, I'm still a little frustrated. I'm not going to lie. I am still frustrated. You say you felt some guilt. Uh, why is that? You know, I, I would say, um, which uh, a good friend of mine had to remind me last night that you can't take uh, this personally of if it was your fault. You know, I think, you know, we take a serious responsibility out there, if it's me, Fran, Lachelle, Reverend Gray, or Cheyenne, or others, of making sure we keep people safe, mm -hmm. in which the action we had yesterday, where you had thousands of people come to the street, and we went to the arch, and we took over the highway, or if it was the action Clayton, when you had 5,000 of people, um, you know, mobilized, and when you only have, like, seven organizers, we still was able to keep things very structured and safe, mm -hmm. which we did. Um, but after everything happened, which, you know, we cannot control, we made it very clear after our action was over yesterday that this action is done. Mm -hmm. We stayed there, we cleaned up all trash. Um, but it is, I guess it's a personal guilt because I don't, I know how things can get turned in light and making it seem like 
um, it was either myself or Fran or the people that organized it or the bigger message gets taken off of, you know, all the hard work. And this stuff isn't easy, especially when we're out there and more focus on um, some of the, the burning and some of the vandalism and a death that happened yesterday. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough place for us activists um, to be in at, at this moment. Mm-hmm. And Councilwoman Griffith, I, I want to talk to you in just a moment, but that death that, that Representative Aldred mentioned, um, I understand you actually saw this death. Um, this was a retired police officer, apparently, at a pawn shop. You saw this on, on Facebook Live while it happened. Is that correct, uh, Representative? Yes, I did, Sarah. And I'm so sorry. I mean, you just must be feeling um, just trauma on top of, of all those other feelings that, that you just described. It, it, it is a lot of trauma. Um, I'm not going to lie. It is a lot of trauma. It's, you know, it's one thing, you know, to be pretty angry and to vandalize or to burn down. I'm not upset in the areas that it, it took. I mean, I am upset in the areas it took place because we also are talking about an African-American community where we're going to have to rebuild and it's already hard right now. But and then... I mean, where things escalated um, at the Lee's Pond and Jewelry Shop where, you know, the man was killed and to see his body, I mean, on Facebook, it was almost like, you know, that's how we've seen George Floyd's body. And that's not the change that we're pushing for. Um, To see a body being dead right in front of your eyes is not something normal to see. So that was just another strike to everything that was taking place. I didn't know if I should grab the wine cup. I didn't know if I should grab tissue. I just, it was a lot. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, what a hard night. What a, what a horrible thing to see. Councilwoman Griffin, um, what's going through your mind right now? I actually, I actually came home after the action. Um, My daughter was uh, present at the action yesterday and so I I came and brought her home but I did the same thing that um, I did back in 2014 once I came home I went back outside because it's not just about my child it's about um, all of our community's youth and I think at this particular time it's important for us to understand the importance of us standing with each other um, as a people and supporting one another as a people, um, one thing that I've never denied is is the need for us to. Um, we have a we have an Asada chant. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. Mm-hmm. It's our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. And I think we need to look at that in every situation that comes up and apply that same chant to everything that's going on right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely see there's a need for people, not just like um, Representative Rasheen and myself, to uh, make sure that we are speaking life and love into our youth. Um, but it's it's all of our responsibilities because at the end of the day, this change that we're trying to create is not about changing for us. It's about changing for them. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely want to make sure that we're keeping that in mind as we go through and experience life. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Councilwoman, you and, and uh, Representative Aldridge have something in common in that um, you both went from being protesters to running for elected office. And I feel like so many young people have kind of lost trust in the political system at this point. They no longer believe that the change that they're demanding can come through that. Um, do you still have faith in the political process that it can solve some of these deep, really serious, hard problems we're seeing in, in your community? I don't know if I necessarily have trust in the political process. I have trust and faith in the people um, that are responsible for creating that political process. Mm. I think there are flaws within our system that need to be um, adjusted and corrected. Um, as you know, voter t- we, we have voter uh, uh, depression and oppression um, in communities of color and black communities all the time. So I can't just say that I don't understand why people don't trust the political process. Um, but that being said, I think it's our responsibility as people within the community to get involved and and start understanding our true power, which is the power that we have in each other um, as, as residents and uh, people who have the right to vote, who have the right to have a voice in this process and who also have a right to look at the process and change it so that it's just for everyone. Representative Aldridge, do you share that hope, um, even if you don't have hope in the system, that you have hope in in some of the people who are there in the trenches with you um, within the system? Yes, I think Fran uh, summed it up well. One of the chants we say out there is uh, the whole system is guilty as, I'm not sure if I can say it on the air, but um, there's there's a lot of distrust in our political system. There's a lot of distrust in our criminal justice system. There's a lot of distrust in our education system. There's a lot of distrust in our healthcare system because the, uh, you know, the, the current systems that are in place <clears throat> um, have been in place strategically to help certain individuals and to make it harder for other individuals that are of color. So when it comes to the system, I do not have a lot of hope in it, and I think that's why you've seen. Um, situations like myself and Fran running for office. That's why you've seen uh, situations like Lachelle and O'Shea, uh, or Lachelle and Cheyenne continue to organize on the ground from Ferguson to Stockley and even to now. Um, we have hope within each other. We have hope that there are people in this community that have been oppressed and continuing to be oppressed and that have said enough is enough and tired of the inequitables, inequities that are happening in our community um, to the point where we are coming together, we're organizing, we're running for office, and I have more hope in the people and the change that we want to see uh, to this system because this system um, is not adequate in representation and making sure that people like myself, people like Fran, and not just us, we're talking about our kids and the generation after that, to live in a world where they can walk down the street and not be harassed by law enforcement, to live in a world where, you know, their political leaders actually, you know, represent them and speak for them and sometimes do uncomfortable things like maybe even take to the streets. Mm-hmm. The next day can go to the boardroom in Ferguson or uh, be in the Capitol and making sure that we advocate uh, for those voices on the ground. So I don't have too much faith uh, in the political process, but I have a lot of faith 
and hope in the people that are trying to make that change. We're talking right now to State Representative Rasheen Aldridge, as well as Ferguson Councilwoman Fran Griffin. We're talking about some of the uh, the protests that have broken out in recent days and their days as early protesters in the Ferguson movement. Let's talk a little bit about some of those changes. Um, last night, before all of the things that happened in the wee hours of the morning that, you know, long after this protest was disbanded and, and you told people, hey, we're done, it, it's time to go home. Um, long before that, there was a, a very peaceful protest where people went to the arch and they were putting um, uh, post-it notes on the arch. And I understand uh, your group had some very specific demands. Um, what were some of those um, key demands represented? Representative Aldridge. Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, um, I think Fran and, and myself and others that have been organizing for a while understand that there's a point of protest. You know, it is it is rough. You got to make people feel uncomfortable. You have to make the system that is not working in place know that you know we're sick and tired and sick and tired and enough is enough. Um, but it's also another stage to that. It's also you know, making sure we educate each other on why we're here. Yeah, we're here because we're angry because of the death of another person of color being, you know, killed at the hands of the state. Um, but how do we make a difference? You know, how do we make change? And the uh, action that we had yesterday was called the People's Demand. And we have five point plans asking for demands um, from the city, from the county, and even potentially from the state um, as far as, like, defunding the police officer disarm and dismiss them, closing the workhouse, free political prisoners, and uh, making repara- reparations, um, all key things that can be helpful in changing the way our criminal justice system is currently working. If you look at the workhouse, plenty of individuals that are in there for just running a red light or child support, and uh, you know we're not really rehabilitating people, but we constantly imprisoning people. Um, so we also wanted to hear from the people um, that was out there because only way all this can happen is not just going to take us five that's organizing seven. It's going to have to take a whole movement. So we also wanted to get buy-in from uh, folks on the ground and the change that they want to see, not just us chanting, but it's time to do some work. And we also, uh, with the help of Fran and Cheyenne, led a really good um, protest out there where we did the step up, step back, step up if you, you know, have been harassed by police, step up. If you have ever felt your life was in fear while around police, you know, Mm. step up if you have privilege to show, you know, we're all in this together. But the reality is, and sometimes we're not. And that's why we must stay together. We must stay unified because this change that we're trying to see um, is going to affect all of us, but it's going to affect some communities more. And if we're saying we're family, like Fran said, we must love and support each other. You must also be uncomfortable sometimes within your family to say, look, Something's not right in this. So uh, we allow people to write demands and then stick them on the arch. Uh, Councilwoman Griffith, do you see a direct line from these demands uh, that were made at the protest yesterday and the protests um, that first brought so many people to Ferguson six years ago? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, in 2014, the municipal court system, and and actually that change happened in a lot of other municipalities um, after the uprising of Ferguson, but um, there was revenue being generated off the most poorest people in our communities. People Mm -hmm. were being jailed because they didn't have the ability to pay, Um, whether that was for fines, fees, um, things of that ordinance is 
that we had in place that um, would make it nearly impossible for you to get out of the the judicial system. You did the muni uh, shuffle around um, the municipalities because people simply couldn't afford to pay the fines and fees. And I I think um, that's directly connected with the call to close the workhouse Mm -hmm. because, again, you have a lot of people who are being arrested who don't have the ability to bond out. And for that reason, they're stuck in these inhumane conditions. And some of the jail cells within the municipalities have similar uh, situations as well. So, yes, it's a, it's, it's definitely connected um, what happened in 2014 um, and what's happening now is an extension of what needs to happen, the change that needs to come. It's just, a, a, it's just further in the message that, hey, look, you know, until you af- actually represent the people, until those policies are fair and just for everyone, um, we're going to continue to work. We're going to continue to speak out. We're going to continue to make demands of, uh, and let you know, let the powers that be who have the ability to actually create the change know that until then, we will not stop. Hmm. How would you compare um, the mood uh, among in these protests and among the people who are out on the streets and, and the composition of the crowd? How would you compare that to what you guys saw in 2014, Councilwoman? I, I think um, it's, it's, it's the same. Hmm. And I think, it's, if anything, it's more amplified because, you know, the Ferguson uprising was seen around the world. Mm-hmm. It sparked change. It sparked change in action around the world. And if anything, it's it's amplified because people are tired of dealing with and seeing people that look like us with knees stuck in our necks on the ground, begging and pleading for their life mm-hmm. with their hands behind their backs, unarmed. Like we pay the police to protect and serve, and we expect that to happen. So to see that, um, it it just further amplifies the emotions, uh, whether that is pain, whether that is sorrow, whether that is anger, whether that is rage, um, all of that just intensifies. And so um, you've got a lot of youth now who were 12, 7, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, who saw this with their own eyes as youth. And now they are at a point where they feel like they can do something about it. They're not helpless anymore. These are, these are young um, teenagers, young adults. They are more, re- they're resilient. Um, they have seen reality for what it is, and they want to figure out what they can do to create that change. And so, um, if anything, it's definitely um, intensified the call. Um, it's intensified um, the movement towards advancement, the movement towards change. And, and, and I yet I hope. I find myself wondering, um, Representative Aldridge, do you, do you ever feel like, I can't believe we're still marching on these same issues, like six years have passed? Do you feel some frustration in that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I'm not surprised uh, because, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of change.
happened, especially here on the local area, um, if it's been in Ferguson or in St. Louis area, we have seen change, but our communities have not seen the dramatic change and policy change when you're talking about shifting uh, power, education, and engagement to communities that have been left out for our, for a long time. We have not seen real structure change in our police department uh, as far as community policing or other initiatives that make it easier for our communities to be able to work with law enforcement. So um, I'm, I'm honestly not surprised that we are here. I guess sometimes what surprised me is it, the how it gets more blank, uh, blanket with the deaths that are taking place. The mm-hmm. fact that this officer had um, a knee in this gentleman's neck, and the story was about potentially over a counterfeit 20. Mm-hmm. This, this, this man lost his life, you know, and, and to this and to the system is completely changed. I expect us to, you know, uh, take back to the streets very soon, and it's and it's hard. It's traumatizing. I mean, we, we don't mind being in the streets, but it's less we could be and get things done so our communities don't have to constantly see these images, constantly feel this pain um, is, is what we want. Mm-hmm. I want to um, touch on one more thing related to going back to the streets. I, I know these protests aren't over um, here in St. Louis. Um, but, you know, last night, as the night turned late, um, things did get bad out there. And, Representative, you had previously condemned the governor's decision to activate the National Guard. But in light of some of the things we've seen and things we've seen at, at Black-owned businesses and, and other parts of the city, are you worried that we need a bigger police presence in, in the coming days? You know, um, I, I I think I'm still uh, kind of with my first mind. Um, I, as far as not trying to um, amplify or not trying to uh, bring in too much law enforcement, because I know uh, situations when you you have a crowd um, that has been traumatized police and seeing law enforcement, especially if it's a National Guard and militarized gear or with tanks that we've seen kind of in Ferguson, um, it only makes situations worse. It only uh, make it harder. I mean, I, I think we were going to expect, uh, to some extent, some of the things that happened. This is a lot of buildup and frustration and anger, uh, not just in Minneapolis, but anger with people here um, in the St. Louis region area of not seeing these images again and then having to relive it, seeing how this criminal justice system has constantly um, told black people that their lives don't matter. So mm-hmm. um, I would be a little hesitant. I think there is uh, maybe some other steps that we can take. You have community leaders, you have activists, um, and you have other powers of be. I think sometimes I can have a little bit more control within our community before we go to activating the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, more police, just regular outfits, fine, but that, the National Guard is uh, a little different. And then you, you hear 45 talking about bringing in the military against his own people. So it's, it, this, this isn't needs to be a war on the community. Um, mm-hmm. It needs to be a moment where the community grieve. We talk, we figure out how do we move forward together and hopefully make those uh, changes uh, in the next couple of months, weeks, and years to come. 
Councilwoman Griffin, we've we've also heard some Ferguson people saying we just wish people would stop coming here. There's so many other parts of, of the metro area that, that also need to deal with these issues. Would you welcome protests to, to come back to Ferguson at this point? Well, protests are already happening in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's a matter of whether I welcome them or not um they're they're already happening mm-hmm. um i think the the main um takeaway from what because i talked to several of the people within my community um who were here prior to 2014 who dedicated themselves to working on creating that change um that we needed within the city of ferguson as well as you know who are committed for the long haul, to continuing to do that work, um, and and the the gist of what they were saying is that you know they were not condemning what happened within the city of Ferguson as far as the the Ferguson uprising. Mm-hmm. What they were saying is that there is a need. You know, after that, we're currently under a consent decree. We have work to do. We have policies to shape. We have. Um, We have to, as a community, come together and start becoming more involved in um, educating each other on where we're at in terms of the changes that have been made, um, educating each other about what the work that still needs to be done. Um, and realizing that um, we are we live in a city that is over seventy percent black population, and so when we talk about um, sales tax and things of that nature that comes from businesses, we have to understand as a community that those things help fund things like our children's our baby's education, Mm -hmm. and that's important. Um, And so I will never, you know, I will never tell anyone how to um, use their voice to speak up to spark change. Like, that's something. I'm from Ferguson, and I was on the street, so I will never tell people how to do that. Um, I simply would say, like my granny taught me, if you're going to be a teacher, be the best teacher that you can be. If you're going to be the the trash collector, then be the best trash collector that you're going to be. And um, what when I speak to my youth, when I speak to my elders, when I speak to just the community at large, the message is always going to be, you know, serve your purpose. Serve your purpose. First and foremost, definitely look out for one another as a community. Do what what you've been called to do. Mm. Do the best that you can. Be the best that you can at that. Um, because we're we're in a moment of time where I think it's it's just inevitable inevitable change. Change is going to come, and um, there's a reason why we're in this in this specific space. And I just I just want our community together, to come together, support each other, know our roles, um, and and know what we're fighting for ultimately, which is a freedom from an oppressive system. Well, Ferguson Councilwoman Fran Griffin, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you, Sarah. And State Representative Rasheen Aldridge, uh, thank you as well. Thank you. It was an honor to be able to uh, talk with you today, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.